This is Debbie Marcello, host of the Happier at Home PRN podcast. Did you ever consider all of the potential cash revenue that you're giving away? What if you were to learn about services and products that you could keep in-house as opposed to referring your customers out? On my podcast, Happier at Home PRN, Learn from the experts who have expanded their services to increase revenue, earn out-of-pocket payments, all while increasing the quality of care in their community. Listen to our past podcasts and join us for future episodes where we focus on growing your pharmacy into a thriving business. And we're not talking about keeping your head above water. We're talking about wealth and the survival of your pharmacy. to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. listening to Framework Focus, the podcast that explores trends, innovations, and insights in the long-term care pharmacy industry. Join us as we connect the entire LTC ecosystem. Hello, and welcome once again to Framework Focus. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Fulton, and I am joined today by three very exciting guests. I have with me three students from the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy, and we're going to be talking about all things college in this very special episode of Framework Focus, brought to you by SoftWriters, the first and only software firm 100% focused on the unique needs and workflows of the long-term care pharmacy sector. Uh, Without further ado, let me introduce my amazing guests. I've got Colby Bean, I've Brayden Lape, and Michelle Gonsalves, uh, who are joining me today from the University of Pittsburgh. You guys get a day off of your studies to come down here and do the podcast with me. So let's talk a little bit about, just give us a little introduction and background. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, what motivated you to pursue a career in pharmacy. Uh, let's start with you, Colby. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Dr. Mark Fulton, for having us here today. Uh, This is a very exciting day. Uh, Happy to be here, unlike anything that I think any of us have done before. So new experiences and uh, a day off of classes. So life is great. (laughs) But uh, how did I get here? So uh, I'm from the eastern side of the beautiful state of Pennsylvania from lovely Westchester, PA. Uh, and I was lucky that I had an upbringing. Both of my parents are in the pharmaceutical industry. So neither of them are on the healthcare side of things. Um, my dad is software engineering and my mother works in corporate education and training. So teaches people how to do their jobs and such. Uh, so for me, I found a love for chemistry really early on in my academic career. I'm talking like middle school, sixth, seventh grade or something like that. I don't know who I think I was liking chemistry that early in life. I don't know. I guess it happens to some people, but I fell in love with it. And through high school, I knew I wanted to go into medicinal research. I wanted to stick with chemistry. That was kind of the thing I wanted to do. And uh, it was really the guidance of my parents that kind of led me down. Hey, you should look at pharmacy. You can do all the things you want to do and more and make a good penny doing it too. So, you know, it was really the blend of everything that I wanted and needed in life to have a successful career um, and yeah, live how I want to live. So yeah, that's how I got to pharmacy. Um, University of Pittsburgh is one of the best pharmacy schools in the nation. I might be biased, but I think if you go on US News World Report and all their rankings and such, we're pretty high up there. So I'm very lucky to have been accepted into this program. And I've had an incredible experience since. I love Pittsburgh. Oh, that's an awesome story. I share your bias because I am a Pitt Pharmacy alumni, class of 03. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Never thought I'd be doing this, but you never know where your profession is going to take you and what twists and turns your professional life will have. Uh, Braden, tell us a little about it yourself. Certainly. So hi, I'm Braden Lape. Um, 
I'm originally from Johnstown, PA, which is a smaller town in South Central PA, technically, or West Central, one of them. Um, my initial love for pharmacy really came from, again, a lot of chemistry and biology when I was younger. Um, I really found that knowing how things worked and how they interacted with each other was a really critical thing that I really, really enjoyed doing. And as I got older and entered college, I explored what I could do as a career that really implemented all those desires to have things combine nicely and be able to think through problems as a main job. I came across pharmacy. I don't have any pharmacists in my family. This was just something I found on my lonesome, but I really feel like I'm able to use the knowledge that I have to really help patients directly and tie together all these disparate things and combine them into one useful combination in a whole. So that's really what brought me into pharmacy, and I really could not be happier. You know, I, I love hearing you say that because one of the things that makes pharmacy so special is the way we care for patients. And that dedication to patient care is so fundamental to everything we do as pharmacists and how we observe and create winning patient care strategies. Um, so you got to have the patient as the forefront of everything you do. So I think that's fantastic. Uh, Michelle, what about you? Um, hi, so my name is Michelle Gonsalves and um, home is a lot of places, but right now it's Dallas, Texas. Um, I, I actually grew up in the Middle East. I'm in Muscat, Oman. So I've had a different trajectory, I suppose. Um, I was mainly interested in healthcare because my mom's a nurse and I think she's like my hero. And um, I really wanted to help people. And um, that changed a lot, like med school, psychology. And then I finally found pharmacy, which is this perfect combination of healthcare and research and innovation. And I think that's a lot of what you guys explore here as well. That is great to hear. Um, I love that you guys have such different backgrounds and different reasons for uh, kind of coming into this profession and choosing this as a career path. One of the neat things about pharmacy is you can do so many different things with that degree. Um, apparently hosting a podcast is one of them. <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't really know that. I've, I've tried on a bunch of different hats uh, during my career. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the school. Let's talk about the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. Uh, tell us a little bit about the school itself and your experience so far uh, in pharmacy school. Uh, well, I can start. Um, so the University of Pittsburgh, I think, is one of the oldest schools of pharmacy in the country. I believe they celebrated 145 years recently. Um, and I'm an RX ambassador for the school. So um, we get to tell all the new incoming students about all the amazing research we're doing. I think we're like in the top five for research in um, the medical sciences in the country. And obviously a great legacy there with Dr. Jonas Salk and the polio vaccine. Um, and yeah, it's just a nice place to like grow as a person even. Oh, that well said, well said. Uh, Colby, Brayden, anything to add there? Sure. I will add, I'm also very biased being from the area. There's a big campus in Johnstown that really drew me to uh, the system. But the research funding and the focus into academics and investing in the students has been huge. And especially, um, we uh, had a new dean promoted recently who has been an absolute gem. Um, she's really focused on education. And I've seen how much the school has invested in us as students and into our success with opportunities for research, clinical experiences, rotations unique educational opportunities with a bunch of simulations and very modernized focuses on what we can do. So again, I could not be happier with what the school's given us. Yeah. That's uh, uh, the new Dean. That's Amy Seibert, correct? correct. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Seibert was actually my preceptor for my very first P4 rotation. Oh, that's amazing. And so it was an <laughs> internal medicine rotation. It was at Montefiore hospital and I felt never more so woefully inadequate in my life. And that's not because of her. Uh, she was actually such a good teacher and she helped me get the confidence that I needed and helped me realize, okay, this is something manageable. This is something I can do. Uh, and, and setting that bar right to the level where it needed to be for me as an individual. And so I really appreciated her leadership then. And I'm so happy to see that she's now uh, leading the school. 
I think that's another thing that I love so much about our new dean and uh, Dr. Seibert. Just uh, so when we were in our first year of pharmacy school, it was coming in. Um, that was the transition period. Our first year of pharmacy school, uh, Dean Crowboth was on her way out. Second year of pharmacy school, uh, Dean Seibert's on her way in. And she was a professor. She was part of the faculty before going into the dean role. So when we're all in our cardiology course, she's coming in, she's teaching lectures and such. And it was this it, it was almost like this weird, not quite disconnect, but we're sitting there in the lecture hall looking at the dean and we go, isn't she supposed to be, you know, upstairs on the 11th floor of the building <laughs> in, in her office? Like, what is she doing down here with us? You know, common folk, <laughs> essentially. But she's very affable. She's very personable. She knows what it's like to be in our shoes. She really wasn't. Um, it, it, she's not long far gone from where we are in our position now. Uh, she's an incredible teacher, mentor, preceptor, all of the above. And I think she can connect on, uh, connect with us at the student body on a, on a different level that I don't, I, I haven't seen, uh, in Dean's past. So we're, we're big fans of, uh, Dean Seibert as the student body. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, the school is just such a fantastic place for, for learning and for growth. And you bring up, you know, how when you were just a P1, your first year, we tend to think of those as like baby pharmacy students. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how more matured and nuanced your view of the profession gets over just the small course of like two to three years. Mm -hmm. you know, going from like that first day you step into your, your first grad level A&P or biochemistry class to where you're at now, where throw whatever you can at me, you know, I can do all of this you know, that level of confidence and maturity really blossoms. But talk a little bit about how your perspective on the profession of pharmacy, how has that changed or developed over the years while you've been in school? Uh, Michelle? Um, I think I'd say the very classic answer would be you walk in and you think a pharmacist is someone that works at, you know, a general community pharmacy. Um, that definitely changed in like the first two, three weeks. Um, you realize the pharmacists, the role has expanded, especially with the pandemic um, in terms of immunizations and such. But pharmacists are everywhere and every medication you get is something a pharmacist has touched and dealt with. Um, in general, I think I learned that pharmacy is so much more expansive than what it's given credit for. Um, pharmacists do so much in the field of healthcare. Um, for me personally, like I think working in a hospital with like, you know, the interprofessional team is the most interesting aspect of um, pharmacy. And yes, like it evolves. You learn the good and the bad, um, but the good is always outweighing the bad, which is great. Yeah, I know uh, my experience coming from a unique perspective going into pharmacy school. I, I came to pharmacy school knowing that research and development and going into the industry is what I wanted to do. But, you know, every time for the last four plus years, even before I was in pharmacy school, when I was still just applying and uh, people asking me like, oh, yeah, you want to be a community retail pharmacist, like that's what you want to do and such. And um, that's that's really just uh, what a lot of people perspective, a lot of people's perspective is on what pharmacy is. Uh, I mean, I sure I had that too. Growing up, before I even considered pharmacy as a career, when I thought of a pharmacist, I thought of my local pharmacy that we went to for whether it's the convenience store part of it, if we just needed to pick up some over-the-counter medications, or if we actually were going to pick up prescriptions, but. Um, Pharmacy school has really changed my perspective, even coming at it from a different point of view, has really changed my perspective of what, how versatile the degree is of a PharmD. I didn't really know about the clinical aspect of it, which I know, Braden and Michelle, is something you two are very interested in. That was never something I'd considered until starting pharmacy school. Like working in a hospital is never anything I had imagined. Uh, I had always just thought of the retail aspect, which I've worked in for several years, but going into industry might be what I want to do, but it doesn't have to stop there. There's so many different things. There's so many different paths that we can take after graduation. I mean, who knows where we'll end up? Uh, I'm very excited to see. I think that's part of the excitement of rounding out pharmacy school is just 
I have an idea of where I want to go, but who knows if that's actually going to happen. And even if it doesn't happen the way that I plan it to happen, that doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Hmm. No, I, I like that perspective, Colby. Brayden, how has your perspective changed over the years? I mean, I can definitely echo what was already said with kind of realizing how expansive the opportunities were. I think the biggest change that impact that I really um, took in was not only are there so many different opportunities, but you are never, ever locked into just one of those options during your time as a pharmacist. Sure, my interest may be clinical right now, and that may be what I pursue. But this degree really enables me to have that wider field of options. I could end up in an industry position, in a community pharmacy uh, position, or in a podcast host position, apparently, (laughs) um, where this opportunity and your development over your career lets you wear very many hats and really experience a lot of different careers with the same education and training. And it's why I'm so happy I'm pursuing the PharmD and forming that baseline of knowledge and like communication skills and understanding and research that lets you go into so many, so many different aspects of the uh, workforce. You know, I want to touch on something you said there, because when you talk about the, the nuance of a PharmD degree, and you talk about the applicability of that education in a wide variety of systems or places of employment, you know, there's a need for pharmacists everywhere. And like you said, Michelle, pharmacists are just everywhere you look, there is a unique career opportunity for pharmacists. And there's something you can do that makes a difference and touches the lives of the most vulnerable people. I think the real secret sauce to pharmacy is in our accessibility. It's in being the most accessible healthcare providers Mm. that are out there and providing a real value uh, to patients wherever they are. And so... Uh, so let's talk about the, the balance, right? Cause you're pharmacy students, uh, life is busy. That's not your whole identity. Oh, I mean, that. maybe it wow. seems like, it. <laughs> um, so it's an extremely large course load. There's a lot of work just for your education, but we know that people are more than their careers. So how do you balance like coursework and your experiential learning, your current job, if you're interning somewhere and then just Life in general, how do you balance it all? I think what I've found for that is, one, it was very much a struggle to adjust to because this is a demanding course load. I know we're all involved in extracurriculars and we're all involved in, we all have jobs, we all have rotations to focus on. What I found that really balanced it out was just very thorough scheduling and really breaking down. I'm happy to work on my coursework for this period of time, but I need to take that time for myself to clean up the house or rest and recharge some, go grocery shopping, all the little things. And what I found that really helps is reminding myself the focus is I am not just a student. I am a student, but I'm still a person. I should still invest that time in myself too, because it is so easy to get lost in all of our coursework and focus in on this next exam, this next assignment, this next presentation. But if you get lost in that, you lose touch with really what's important to you as an individual. And that's kind of the trap that I'm worried about falling into. I'd say I did a lot of that my first year. I think that's something also that I learned. Um, I was very like, this is grad school. We need to, you know, focus and get into it. I did that for two months and it took a lot out of me um, to a point where I didn't enjoy where I was. Um, But it took me like I was able to retrace my steps and think like, I'm, I'm a human being, like, like Brayden said, you're not just a student, you wear many caps. Um, so focusing back and like going out and having a trivia night with my friends or just going on a walk in Shenley Park, um, very rejuvenating and focusing on things that make you human and less stressed are very important. So one day at a time, I'd say. School works tough, guys. It's, <laughs> school works tough. It's uh, it's not easy. We don't need to sugarcoat it. We can be honest on the podcast <laughs> here. It's not easy. Um, I don't, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I've had my fair share of crashes. You know, come home after a long eight to five day with an exam and whatever else we've got going on, or maybe it was a practicum, or maybe it was a rotation or something, and got back to my house and collapsed on my couch in the living room. It took an involuntary forty-five minute nap or whatever. <laughs> and got up and kept moving but uh the thing it, like it's not easy now like you said um the, no need to sugarcoat it but 
I think uh, from the P3 perspective, something that we get an opportunity to do is we get to work with the uh, not only the younger students, P1s, P2s, but we get an opportunity to work with undergrads as well through Pitt, which is very exciting. I love chatting with the undergrads and getting people excited for pharmacy school. And I used some of those resources when I was in my undergrad and when I was a P1 student. But there's a lot of things that I I wish I knew then what I know now kind of deal. And I wish I had those people to tell me. So that's really something that I've been trying to do my hardest this year, uh, both last semester and this semester. And the thing that I tell people time and time again, again, is do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. If you love it, if you find purpose in it, if you enjoy it, if you can laugh while you work, then it's not work. It's it's you are contributing. Um, you are doing what you love. You're doing what you want to do. You are making a difference in the world in your own way that it doesn't feel like work. And so for me, that is what pharmacy is to me. I know this is where I want to be. I know this is where I belong. Um, and sure, school stinks sometimes. <laughs> it's it, it can be difficult. It can be hard. But being able to see that light at the end of the tunnel and being able to say, I can't wait. I am excited. I'm stoked. I, I want to be there. I want to be sitting at that table with the rest of those guys over there doing what they're doing kind of deal. That is the exciting part for me. And that's my drive. That's my motor. That's what keeps me going. You know, those are such inspirational words. I, I love hearing that because, uh, you know, I think back to my days in pharmacy school. And again, I graduated like 20 years ago, but so many things are still the same. Uh, you know, the internet was kind of uh, more brand new then. It wasn't as, as cool as it was now. We didn't have smartphones, but, you know, we still had the huge coursework. You know, we still had the excessive demands of rotations and of practicums and of all these other experiences. But I like what you said, Michelle, about prioritizing self-care. And Braden, you talked about this as well. And that's something we're hearing a lot in today's healthcare ecosystem. There's a much greater emphasis on, you know, taking care of ourselves and seeing ourselves as multi-dimensional professionals, right? We're not just pharmacists, we're also people too. And prioritizing that self-care, I think, is a great habit to get into because it's going to save you a lot of healthcare heartache uh, down the line. It's going to make you happier and healthier. Uh, I can definitely say that. Um, when I think about the career market, right? We look at the job market mm. and the types of careers that are out there for pharmacists. You touched on that there's so many different opportunities. There's lots of different places where you could practice pharmacy. Um, now I've done, I did community pharmacy, I've done management, I've done sterile compounding in a clean room. And uh, for the last five, six years, I've been in technology uh, and pharmacy technology, especially in long-term care. It's just been so eye-opening and an opportunity to continue learning, continue growing, you know, over my career. And I'm still only halfway done, right? So from you guys' perspective, tell me about what part of pharmacy excites you the most what do you think sounds the most intriguing and what roles in pharmacy maybe do you think are more challenging? Um, you know, what's your perspective on some of the different roles? What do you find most intriguing? I think for me, what I find most intriguing are those individual patient wins. That's why I'm so attracted to clinical is being there day after day and seeing people get better and better because of interventions that I made or helped with or team questions that I was able to answer. And so what I find most exciting in this field is very much that direct patient care that I made sure that you saved money, you are feeling better, you are going back to your old life in the best way I know how. So that's what I've really found that speaks to me and really makes me excited to go to work every day. I think the parts I find more challenging are when it's heavily financial-based or heavily insurance-based, where negotiating with companies, negotiating with payers is something I very much do not enjoy doing. It's an unfortunate part of the job, and I recognize that. But what I love is helping people. What I don't love is being on very long phone calls arguing about that I should be allowed to help people. Mm -hmm. No, I, I hear you there, Braden. You know, I like how you talked about helping people as the core of the profession because I think you never take that outside of it. And no matter which role you find yourself operating in, 
you, you always have that, that patient care as the backbone of why, you know, your reason for getting up in the morning. Uh, Colby, what are your thoughts though on career paths? So I, of the three of us uh, students that are sitting here, I, I mean, Michelle and Braden both talked about how they're clinically focused. I was speaking on how I'm more research focused. And I actually want to touch back on a conversation that we had outside of the podcast um, when we were planning this the first time. So when Braden, Dr. Mark Fulton and I sat down, we were chatting about if we could go back in time and pick a particular point of history that we wanted to live in pharmacy related, the first thing that came to mind was the drug boom of the 90s. So for me, I, I want to be on that team. I want to be a part of that squad that's making the new drugs, the new therapies. I want to be, uh, I, I like the whole unsung hero aspect of it. I mean, the direct patient care, that's what pharmacists do. It's, uh, it's your reason for waking up in the morning. For me, it's the, I want to be able to affect patients on the large scale, not just the, the, the one-on-one -on -one is incredibly rewarding. It's, it's an amazing process, but for me, I, I'm very squeamish. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, the whole one-on-one -on -one thing and me don't get along too well, <laughs> but, um, so we were talking about the drug boom of the nineties and what I am seeing is a, reiteration of that coming up soon. So we're looking at small molecules. Uh, everybody is popping out something in the 90s. Uh, today, it's biologics. You know, we're looking at uh, monoclonal antibodies. We're looking at injectables. Uh, vaccines are going crazy right now. So seeing all of this boom in the industry is what got me jazzed. Uh, this is This is what I want to do. I want to be on that team. I want to be sit at my desk on my computer, you know, drawing up a molecule. I want to be in the lab, seeing how it works in different uh, environments. I want to be on the clinical trial, working in different patient populations across the country, across the world. So being on that team to bring a new drug to market, that's, uh, if I can bring a drug from, through all four phases and I get to be there the day that the FDA approves it, it hits market and we get to party. <laughs> that's, that's the party I want to be at. I, I want to be on that team that said, yeah, we made that. You know, that's really something very exciting right now in the field of pharmacy. Talk about the shift to biologics. When you look at all the major pharma companies right now, most of the R&D that we see is in the biologic sector. Mm -hmm. Those are the new drugs out. We just had the first uh, I think there's two now, the first CRISPR-based gene therapies that are FDA approved and out. So that's a really exciting place. It's incredible. That I think we're going to see more of in the future. Um, Michelle, what are your thoughts? What parts of pharmacy do you find the most intriguing? What roles do you feel yourself more uh, interested in or do you feel are more challenging? Um. Again, like Colby said and Brayden said, I suppose, you know, patient care is like where I'm most interested in. Um, there are days when it's really challenging because you don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, but I have a nice story to, you know, make that feel a little more easy. Um, it was Christmas Day and I was called into work and I was in the hospital 6.30 a.m. I made my morning IVs and... Um, I wanted to, you know, sit down and have a morning coffee. But they were like, hey, Michelle, can you run this down to the labor and delivery unit? I was like, sure. So I ran down there. Um, I was going to restock it in the OR. I, it was 8 a.m. So I figured it'd be, you know, open, but it wasn't. And I didn't knock. I opened the door and I saw a woman just push out a baby. Wow. On Christmas Day. <laughs> On Christmas <Wow>. Day. Um, <laughs> and it, took, it caught me off guard. And then I called my mom. And I told her, like, hey, mom, guess what I saw? She's like, hey, welcome to healthcare and Merry Christmas. <laughs> so um, I enjoyed like that aspect, just the human part of pharmacy. Um, there are challenging parts, but I think what's interesting as like a student is the fact that there's no end in sight. No mm. matter where you go, country, town, um, continent, you're going to find a job and you're going to be relevant. And what you're going to do is going to matter to people. And I think that's like the 
best profession to get into, really. Some great Couldn't job ask security. For more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Healthcare will never die. <laughs> it really is, because it, since the dawn of time, you know, we have used drugs as a human culture, right, collectively, to do all sorts of things. We talked about this in the car on the way up here, you know, how humans have always used drugs for healthcare, for poisoning, for <laughs> recreation, <laughs> or for cultural reasons. Mm. And so... Uh, and when we look ahead and how we will use drugs, we're still going to use them for those same purposes. But the cool thing right now is we have all this technology and technology has been exploding. It's as always, right? Technology is ahead of the curve with regards to regulations. Mm -hmm. So some of the technologies out there, it's kind of the wild, wild west. But when I think about technology and pharmacy and how advancements in technology are going to impact the future of our profession, there's a few things that come to mind for me, but I'd love to hear your perspectives. What do you think are the biggest technological advancements that are going to impact the future of pharmacy? You know, tell me your thoughts on that. So this whole AI thing going on right now is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So part of what I want to do in the industry is uh, data analytics. And so some of the courses that I'm taking, we were talking about machine learning and such. So learning all about what's going on in the AI sphere right now is uh, really exciting. Uh, I never thought I found computer science so interesting until all of this was going on. But I think the perfect example, and I mean, we can use it so much so to our advantage. I don't think it's a scary thing at all. I think it's very much something that we should be looking forward to and excited about. I understand that might be a hot take. There's a lot of people <laughs> out there who might disagree with me. But as far as the pharmacy world is concerned, I mean, perfect example, when ChatGPT first became a thing last year, it was our fall semester, we were in cardiology. And I remember my roommate introduced me to it. He's not affiliated with pharmacy or healthcare at all whatsoever. He's doing his own thing, but he's more into this whole tech sphere. So he introduces me to it and he's like, Colby, you got to check out the chat GPT thing. You could type anything in here. And I go, okay, write me a 200 word abstract on the benefits of using Doax over Warfarin or whatever. Huh. And in, in a matter of seconds, it's just spitting out all of this stuff that we were learning in class, uh, just the lecture that we had that morning or whatever. And I was looking at these words populate on my screen and I was losing my mind. <laughs> I thought this was crazy. I mean, we're supposed to be the drug information specialists. You know, that's that's part of the profession. That's what pharmacists are and have been for a long time. Imagine how much easier. Imagine how much more resources we'll have available to us. People asking us questions, trying to research what we need to find out about certain medications, whether it's helping a patient directly or doing research of our own. I mean, this is this is a really useful tool. I can totally get behind this. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because so I've been in the technology sector for a while now, and AI is one of the things that we've actually started to see some applications with through both our customers and through other organizations in the health IT realm. So one of the things that we're looking at right now is how we can use AI to better support clinical decision making, uh, better support data and analytics. You know, the possibilities, like you said, are really limitless. I think the future is going to be, it's not that AI will take my job, right. it's that you're going to have to learn to use AI as a technology, mm -hmm. as part of your job. It will become another tool, I think, that we use. And that's why the education and the perspective of a human pharmacist is so important because you're able to make those nuanced, ethical, hard decisions, right? Whereas a, a robot can't take into effect that that human calculation. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to take away from Braden and Rochelle, but uh, what you mentioned about clinical guidelines just reminded me. I mean, we see machine learning in our lives every single day. Anytime you type anything into a Google search bar, that's machine learning. So imagine if Google or AWS or whomever is able to use machine learning to personalize our search fields. You know, if I look up um, oh shoot, I'm trying to think of an example. But I mean, if I were to look up one thing in Google and Mark, you were to look up the same thing in Google, our results would be wildly different. And uh, that, I mean, that's machine learning. Imagine how we can use that towards clinical guidelines. You know, you, you plug in the patient data and information, it spits out an answer for you. 
Braden, what are your thoughts? Funny enough, I actually have a really similar thought regarding AI, and mine's more involved in like EHR integration and stuff like that, is there are so very many times where there's alerts flagged or whatnot from a very simplistic database of, if these two meds both exist on a chart, then X alert happens. And I can't speak for everyone, but I know I've seen a million of them already, and I've had two years to do it. I'm sure more seasoned pharmacists are tired of seeing most of these alerts that are more likely to be completely unimpactful than actually relevant. And I think the best part where machine learning or AI can really implement to that, which is how I see technology in the very near future going, is being better able to categorize relative risk and kind of highlight those big alerts that we actually care about, those actual interactions of like, hey, do you really want to give another anticoagulant to this patient that's already at risk or has a history of stroke versus hey, there's a CYP3A4 interaction if you really overload it for the statin, but it, no one cares. So I think that's where I see tech going in the near future is, again, a tool to augment the clinical decision-making we're already making, not replacing us by any means, not changing any of the ethical considerations that we have to make, but just making it so the raw clinical decisions and the, the, uh, the choices you have to make from a more direct patient care approach becomes a lot simpler and easier to process while you still have that clinical background knowledge to know what choice you're making. You know, that's a great point, Braden, because you talk about a really important problem, that alert fatigue. And there, there are some parallels to other industries as well. If you look at the airline industry, mm -hmm. uh, they had a similar uh, study where they went and they looked at, you know, pilots are getting all these errors and there's there are these alerts and they're kind of getting numb to it. And what happens is you start to overlook it. Mm. You know, back when I worked in retail, you know, you just kind of click through that DUR screen. Mm -hmm. Are you really reading everything? You know, and, and like you said, some of these are, you know, probably much less likely interactions or nuisance warnings. And we hear that all the time. So in the technology sector, uh, that's one of the things I'm going to put on my product manager hat for a minute now. <laughs> and when we look at solving a problem or making a, a change to our software, especially when we're going to adjust you know, the way that alerts are presented, the how, and where in the software it does and what that looks like. Uh, one of the things that we, we think about and we have to calculate is, you know, how does this play into alert fatigue? Is this actually creating, is it solving the right problem? Um, or is it just creating more noise? And when we can remove noise from the system, it helps make for a safer uh, health IT infrastructure, you know, where pharmacists are better able to focus on what matters and make the right decisions. So it's really great that you brought that up. Michelle, what do you think about technology and the future of pharmacy? Um, I guess for now, I'd say thank God for technology. <laughs> yeah, if you've, if you've worked um, anywhere in a pharmacy, really, you know that it's one of the most important things that you need running at all times. Um, but in the future, I think it's going to grow a lot more. Um, like Brayden and Colby said, um, there's a lot of progress that's going to be made. But I think one main thing is to not shy away from it. I think a lot of people have like qualms about, you know, having more of that involved. Um, but there's so much good that you can't necessarily take in the bad and think it's it's not going to work. Um, I'd say for me, at least, I think it just makes it easier to take care of patients, to connect. And um, I can't say what exactly technology is going to do, but I can tell you it's going to move the profession forward. I've used some really bad pharmacy softwares. I've used some really good <laughs> pharmacy softwares uh, working in the community. So, yes, Michelle, I will uh, put down tenfold what you said. Uh <laughs> Technology matters. <laughs> it really does. You bring up a great point, Colby. So we, we all know you get to work around the, the environment a little bit. You get to see what certain pharmacy softwares look like. And you get this idea of what I want in a pharmacy software, what qualities make it good, what makes it user-friendly or efficient, and what doesn't. And one of the cool things I get to do in my job is I get to use that experience to help guide the development of our pharmacy software and helping to make that more pharmacist focus, having that, that input. So when you look at it, you don't say to yourself, man, you know a pharmacist did not design this. <laughs> so um, it, it's nice to be able to be that voice on the team mm -hmm. uh, you know, to help that out. We're going to take a quick break here for a commercial. And when we come back, 
I'm going to sit here with Brayden, Michelle, and Colby, and we will continue talking on our college episode. Stick around on Framework Focus. Founded in 1983, GeriMed continues to support independent pharmacies servicing long-term care, LTC, and LTC pharmacy medical at-home patients. Traditionally, group purchasing organizations only offer clients contract pricing on pharmaceuticals and other products. GeriMed exceeds that tradition by offering unique pharmacy programs and resources to complement our competitive contract pricing, including LTC, a Medicare Part D reimbursement network. GeriMed strives to be a leader in service development by actively developing programs, resources, and tools to help improve our customers' patient care. Find out how partnering with GeriMed can position your pharmacy for optimal growth and success. Visit gerrymedgso.com. That's gerrymedgso.com. And we're back here on Framework Focus. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Fulton, with three amazing students from the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. We've got Colby, Michelle, and Braden here with us. And we're going to talk about uh, misconceptions. We were talking in the car on the way up here about uh, conspiracy theories that involve pharmaceuticals, uh, drug conspiracy theories, that kind of thing. When we think about pharmacy, one of the things uh, I hear from so many people who are students, they say, you know, I never knew there was so much to this world of what I could do with a pharmacy degree. And so once you're in it, right, once you're like, you know, five, six of the way through your pharmacy education, one of the things you look at and say, man, I really do know a lot about this. But the thing is, this is specialized knowledge. A lot of people don't know this. So what are some misconceptions about pharmacy that you've encountered like during your education? And how do you address those? I mean, there's always the obvious one of all we do is count bills, which just, the, the, the explaining the counter argument to that is just actually walk through any sort of daily interaction for literally any pharmacy job. I think my favorite is working in a hospital is that we do nothing but deliver meds to floors and we're just a big <laughs> warehouse and nothing else, <laughs> which is a fun one to get from nurses and doctors who should really know better. Um, uh, no disagreement to all of our wonderful colleagues. They're for the most part awesome. But um, I think the counter to that is, again, just ask them to actually deal with any of the pharmacy issues on their own for five seconds, <laughs> dealing with sterile compounding or with pulling up very very specialized doses or making sure things are safe or inventory management and all that fun stuff. I know it's a common misconception I hear even from my own family as we don't do much, but it's easy to think that if you don't see it, but it could not be further from the truth. It is. I've heard that one a lot myself. Uh, You know, why do you have to go to school for six years to learn how to count Mm -hmm. by fives? Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go to Duquesne, then you count by threes. Uh, It's, (laughs) is that still a thing? I, I, I have heard that. I got a couple of friends at Duquesne farm. So I, you know, my heart goes out to them. <laughs> uh, I was raised in a five counting pharmacy. So that's how I started. Mm-hmm. I digress. Uh, Colby, what do you think? So um, actually, Braden, thank you because you reminded me of something, you know, what's a terrible place to be just absolutely atrocious and just brings you down, or at least it does this to me. The comment section. Uh, funny enough, TikTok. Yeah. yeah. It's social media. Yeah. 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 It's, it is a cesspool. It is awful out there. I can't do it. My fiance sends me, uh, she, she is not in the healthcare field. Uh, we are very much, uh, divide and conquer between the two of us, but, uh, she found her way on pharmacy TikTok and the stuff that she sends me just boils my blood. Ooh. Oh, it's terrible. The amount of people that it's just like recordings of interactions that individuals are having in pharmacies, or if it's like story times, you know, after the fact, and they're recounting their day at the pharmacy or whatever. Some of the things she sends me just really grinds my gears. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. There's some vicious people out there who do not like us. And I don't know why (laughs) they got, they got a, they got our name and they got our number. They they are out for blood for the profession of pharmacy. And I, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned pharmacy TikTok. The one thing I've seen is like the pharmacy ASMR videos mm-hmm. where it's just <laughs> like silent. I mean, they have the audio, but they're counting out pills. 
And the cool thing is some of those I can actually listen to with the video off and I can tell what kind of pill it is. Oh, that's crazy. How much of a, a nerd I am. Oh boy. We, we just got demonetized. That was, but uh, <laughs> it is, there's something really satisfying about like 360 milligram deltiazem tumbling mm, out mm-hmm. and the, that nice soft capsule sound. I'm getting off track. Uh, Michelle, <laughs> what kind of misconceptions have you encountered uh, in your career? Um, misconceptions. I'm not sure if it's a misconception, but uh, I'll give you an example. This past weekend, uh, I met a bunch of new people. And um, oh, this is good. one of them asked me, you know, what I do? I said, I'm in pharmacy school. He's like, oh, so you're in med school. I said, no, I'm in pharmacy school. He's like, that's the same thing, right? I said, no, there's like med, pharmacy, um, dental, nursing. He said, you know what? You guys should start a petition and just put them all together because you're technically in med school. So amazing. <laughs> I think and also, <laughs> you know, like I have to like say like there are people like in my extended family that are that ask me why I just didn't go into med school and why pharmacy. You know, if you're going to do pharmacy, you might as well do med school. But I think a lot of people underestimate the role that we play um, in healthcare, like like I said, apart from a community pharmacy, there is no recognition given to um, people that work in other aspects of pharmacy. So just knowing that they don't just, you know, take a, you know, a box and like get medications out of it. They actually like have a say in your your care, and sometimes they switch it and give you more, you know, affordable medications. And that's something people don't really understand or have respect for. And I think that's why there's like so much social media um, influence over, oh, all they do is like say, I can't get my meds. Mm-hmm. But Oh we, yeah, we, like, another prior off, sure. <laughs> yeah, literally. So why would we want to deny people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, we're trying to get them more like affordable, accessible um, healthcare. Um, but it's unfortunate. But I think there is like podcasts like these really help um, take away that stereotype and um, just show that we are human beings that actually care for our patients and we care about advancing healthcare in a way that um, is not something that's expressed as much on social media. You know, I, I really love the way you said that because, you know, that's what we do here on Framework Focus. That's one of the things I've really focused on my whole career is breaking down barriers, you know, breaking down walls and silos, whether it's between healthcare practitioners, whether it's between pharmacists ourselves, you know, uh, one of the things I see now in the job market is pharmacies a lot more unified mm-hmm. than it ever has been. We have the pharmacist guild popping up. We have the walkouts that happen in the fall. We have uh, pharmacists banding together in a way that's meaningful and deliberate and that advances our profession through our collective uh characteristics, right? We don't look at, you know, hospital versus retail and my rotation or my residency versus yours. And this comparison, this constant comparing ourselves to other people in our field. So that actually is something I was really surprised about when I started pharmacy school. Everything that everybody told me when I'm looking into programs and different places across the country. And I got to say, that's probably another reason why I chose Pitt and why I'm so thankful that I'm at Pitt is because the competition, it's it's not there. I mean, everybody is sure. I mean, pharmacy is a very competitive field. You know, you're looking at residencies, you're looking at the job market, you're looking at fellowships, whatever. It's a very competitive field. But the competition isn't at Pitt. And nobody is looking at, uh, oh, you're 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 a big pharma. Oh, and nobody's looking at, oh, you work for retail. Uh, nobody is like that. It's um, the the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the community of pharmacy. We're all trying to support each other and help each other, which was definitely something I was not expecting upon coming to school, and was a very happy realization. (laughs) I'm quite thankful to come to Pitt and find that uh, it's not just at Pitt, but um, across the country in the profession. Like you said, the guilds are popping up. People are supporting each other. It's becoming more and more friendly, more and more cooperative. There's no competition. It's all about what can we do to build each other up. You know, I like that you mentioned that, Colby, because let's dive a little bit deeper on that. Let's talk about the job market Mm. and let's talk about the career opportunities that are out there for a pharmacy grad. You guys are are on the cusp of, you know, starting your rotations, going into that final year 
I where can't wait. <laughs> now you're trying to get a residency. Now you're trying to get a job. You're putting the icing on the cake of your pharmacy education. Mm. So tell me, what do you think about the job market today and what the opportunities are like for pharmacists who are entering the workforce? I think it's something that we touched a little bit on earlier, too, uh, in this episode. We talked about how it's a very exciting thing to get into. Uh, healthcare is something that will never die. It's a job market that sure is competitive, and uh, the popularity of the PharmD is only on the rise. But we will all still be needed somewhere. So I'm not worried about finding a job after college. And I know a lot of people who go to college, you know, whether they're stopping after their bachelor's or they're continuing on to graduate school after. A lot of people across this country are concerned about job security and whether or not they will have something upon graduation. That's nothing that we have to worry about. The three of us sitting here, Michelle, Braden, and I, aren't ever going to have to be concerned with, where am I going to go after graduation? We will have our answer. And we can stay there for hopefully as long as we want. But even if we don't get that opportunity, there's going to be something else waiting for us. I think to go off of that, you're absolutely right. There is going to be opportunity. I'm never, I'm not worried I'm going to be stuck without anything for a long period. But I do think when it comes to careers with better work-life balance or more mm -hmm. particular targeted things you want to do, like in your case, very specific industry mm -hmm. um, positions, or in our case, a specific clinical position in a specific like geographic area with, I am still worried about that availability of the most desirable options, but I accept that we're still new grads. We're even if we do a lot and we've, we're very qualified for where we are in our careers, we're still very early in, but that's the wonderful thing about pharmacy is sure that exact clinical position I want the odds of me getting in my first year, not great, but the odds of me being able to get some position in a hospital, at least some position somewhere, build up experience and apply again and again and again, mm -hmm means that I will have that opportunity at some point. And like, of course, the, the most desirable positions, the ones with the good balance, the ones with the really good care for their people are going to be competitive. But I don't think that scares me. And I think that's the big difference between now and when I finish my undergrad. Nice. Michelle, what are your thoughts? Um, I'd agree with that. There is certainty, but also the fear that it's not going to be perfect, but that's life. Um, I'd say... I've been doing a lot of research and I've realized that even like say a residency, there is so much diversity to the kind of opportunity you could pursue. Um, like you, I want to work in a hospital. So I think residency, but there are certain hospitals that offer fellowships um, for a more specific aspect of clinical, um, which is fun. But um, I think the best way to summarize how I see the future. Um, I actually learned it from a pharmacist that I used to work with Um and it was very reassuring. She told me that um, she went into residency um, when her career began and um, she, she got a good residency and she was doing good. And um, halfway through, she realized it just wasn't for her. And um, she had the courage to quit. And she went and worked at a community pharmacy. And today she works as like the lead NICU pharmacist at a hospital. Um, so I think what I took away from that, and I think what people need, students especially need to realize is that this is a profession where even if you fall, you can pick yourself up and mm -hmm. go again. Um, there is, like I said, there's no end in sight. Um, it's life and you're going to have hurdles and I'm sure I'm going to see um, a lot of bad days. But I think, again, pharmacy school <laughs> makes you resilient in the sense where you pick yourself up every single day. Oh, yeah. Like you, you, you know, you have a hard cry and then you get up and you're like, okay, on to the next. There's another exam I need to pass. So that's how it's going to be in my career as well, where I didn't get the job. I didn't get a residency. I didn't get a position. There's another one on the horizon. I can tell you, I have not gotten way more jobs than I, <laughs> I've applied for. And you, I love what you said, Michelle. I think that is just a really great nugget of that resilience that comes mm -hmm. with you know, going through that pharmacy school curriculum, because you do, like you said, you learn to pick yourself back up and to keep moving forward and to reflect and say, okay, here's what I did well. Here's what I still need to work on. And that's okay. Cause I'm human and I'm still learning and growing. And even after graduation, that doesn't stop because mm -hmm. that kind of outlook that helps you so much throughout your career. I look back at some of the experiences I have and, uh, 
again, I, I've been there and I've, I've done it over and over again where you have that bad day mm-hmm. or you, you know, you, maybe you're working someplace where there's an error situation. You have to deep dive to figure out, well, what went wrong so that you can answer those questions and build a safer healthcare system. And it, it's that ability to reflect and to change meaningfully and to grow that is so worthwhile. And that makes it all, it makes it all click and come together and brings you to this point where you're just fully foreign professional. And it's, it's such a great feeling. And I'm so excited for you guys. You know, when I think about long-term care, which is the space where I operate in the technology sector, uh, I knew very little about long-term care before I, I joined Softwriters. And, you know, my background had been in retail, had been in uh, closed door pharmacy. I had serviced long-term care, but from a tangential standpoint, and uh, having been in this field and meeting so many people in the industry, you know, and I always ask every pharmacist I meet, I say, well, tell me your origin story. Tell me how you got into this. Uh, I love asking that question because everyone says a different version of the same thing mm. of I wanted to help people and I'm really interested in drugs and how they work. And I, I want to use that knowledge to help people. And the people I meet with who are in long-term care, even if they're not there in a different industry, uh, they say, you know, I never thought I would get to here. This isn't where I envisioned my career, but it's where I am now and I really like it. And I think you have to have that continuous idea and appreciation for trying new things, trying something different, doing something that you don't know ahead of time that you're going to be good at because you really have no idea. Uh, my best example from that is when I was in school, uh, I remember I did gastroenterology and I, I found TPN to be very difficult uh, a lot of people do. No one really likes <laughs> that portion of GI. But uh, so about uh, seven, eight years after I graduated, I found myself in a compounding pharmacy making TPN in a clean room environment. And I learned so much, but, and I fell in love with it. And being able to like revisit something or to have enough baseline knowledge to get involved and to make a career out of something like that, to find the joy in it. It is really what makes pharmacy special. It's a career of opportunities, kind of playing off of what Michelle was Absolutely. saying. It's it's there's so many different places to go, so many different things to do, whether it's geographical location, whether it's an entirely different functional area or an entirely different scope of practice. I mean, there are so many different things you can do. And uh, playing off of the conversation that we had on the ride down here this morning, um, uh, Mark, you were talking to us about how those 20 years of experience and such, the amount that you've learned in that time after school. I mean, we're learning a lot in the classroom as it is today. I mean, you're, we're trying to get everything we can in every single lecture, but um, it's, it's a profession of opportunity. It's a profession of learning. It's a profession of teaching. So we're constantly learning. There's always new things to, uh, I mean, healthcare changes every day. So there's always new things to learn, always new things to touch up on. But being able to teach others too, and we were talking earlier just on this episode alone about um, the accessibility of pharmacists, how all of the patients come to us uh, for free, open door, walk in the pharmacy, ask a question. Now this is our opportunity to teach them. And it's through teaching that we really solidify our learning. So we're here for four years. We're learning everything we can in the classroom, but it's not even going to touch everything that we're going to learn, teach, solidify over our entire careers after graduation. Hmm. So graduation is, is what, next year or later this year for you April guys? April of 25. Nice. Class of 2025. Can't wait. It's a good number. So you guys are soon to be graduates. The future is becoming less hazy. More of the details are beginning to come into focus. So for those folks who are in their second semester of P1, mm-hmm. or maybe you're in your second year of undergrad and you're thinking about applying to pharmacy school. This is about the time when that's, that ball starts to get rolling. What advice do you have? What's like the best advice you could give someone who's considering pharmacy for a career, someone who's applying or brand new to this curriculum? So I got too excited for that one. Um, I really do enjoy <laughs> teaching and trying to educate those uh, fresher faces. The piece of advice I always give during this conversation is really very simple. Don't sweat the small stuff. Focus on your big picture. Focus on where you want to be. There is a million assignments and applications and small things to write or read or do, and there's always going to be something. There isn't 
infinite uh, stream of tasks to do. But if you tackle them one by one and don't stress yourself out over each and every one of them, you're going to go so, so much further than you thought. It does not feel like long ago where I started my first semester of undergrad, which was seven years ago now, um, <laughs> where I knew nothing. And now looking back at what I can, what I understand and what I know now and how much I will know in six months, in a year, in five, it's really exciting somewhere I'm really excited to go to. I can't wait for the day where I get asked a quick drug info question and it's not something I have to sit down and research and really dig into and just go, oh, this is the thing I've talked about a dozen times. It's you give this dose now and we're good. So I know it's easy to seem overwhelmed. I know it's really, really, there's a wall in front of you and it looks challenging. Bit by bit, step by step, don't worry about it. Just keep moving forward. You will go far. I promise. Oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. I don't know how you can top that. Michelle, what I about you? I don't think I my, can. My bad. <laughs> no. Great <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it's hard. Um, it's a challenge. But I think it's, for me, it has been the place where I grew as a person. Mm -hmm. And it's made me this, like, I didn't think I was a leader, but I kind of am now <laughs> and, by choice yeah we don't know about that <laughs> um but you know you have all these you become a multifaceted human being um you learn to balance the good and the bad in your life and you learn to roll through the punches um it's challenging and you're gonna have to work hard and you're gonna there's a lot about you that's gonna change um but it's always gonna be for the better because you're growing and I don't know. You're you're becoming a pharmacist. It's kind of fun. It's very cool. Mm. That's awesome. How about you, Colby? What are your final words? So I have the pleasure of uh, being able to interact with a lot of undergraduate students at Pitt. Uh, a lot of it is through the pharmacy school, whether it be our programs like um, uh, RX Mentors and Mentees. Uh, or it could be, for example, I am a brother of an undergraduate social fraternity, Delta Tau Delta. And funny enough, I was the first pharmacy student of the Delts, but I have since recruited, there's two P1s uh, who are Delts that are in pharmacy school now. And uh, as well as another one of my brothers, I want to give a big congratulations to my brother, Nate, who just got accepted to Pitt Pharmacy this morning. All right. Congratulations, oh, very, Nate. Very happy for Nate. <laughs> Um, and I don't sugarcoat these things when I talk to my boys or to anybody else, you know, as we were talking on this podcast earlier too, not, none of it's sugarcoated. It's difficult and it's something to be expected. And they, they hear me, uh, talk about pharmacy school all the time. It's practically my entire personality at this point, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, um, um it, even through my griping or my complaining, uh, I still have such a deep love for what I do. And it really rubs off on the people that I talk to. I mean, if I wasn't in pharmacy school, I don't know if my three brothers would have decided to apply, let alone, uh, accept and start their, uh, journey through pharmacy school now too. So being able to sit down and have that conversation with them and be like, uh, yeah, sure, it won't be easy, but here are the benefits that you're going to be able to reap when you are done pharmacy school. Here's all of the doors and windows of opportunity that are going to be open for you. Just imagine the life that you can live after four years of pharmacy school, how incredible it is wherever you're going to end up being. It's going to be something that you love, something that you cherish and I mean, look at look at us now. <laughs> uh, we're we're like you said on the cusp of graduation and something that we are so excited for, and I can see it in the eyes of uh, my undergraduate friends who are applying slash just got accepted to my friends that are in their P one year now and looking at yeah, sure, that's a pretty darn tall mountain, but I know that I can scale it, climb it, and get to the other side. Yeah. I just want to add one tiny thing to that. And I think this is something hinted at Colby. Um, you will meet people that will see you through it as well. Oh, that's a great mm. point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know either of these guys until pharmacy school. Yeah. And you're going to meet some wonderful people. And it's really nice to meet people that think and want the same things as you. Yeah. No, this guy just sat down beside me on the first day. 
he's now one of my closest friends. You know, <laughs> things happen. There's a bromance there. <laughs> I'm not denying anything. Right. <laughs> my, my lawyers recommended I don't answer that. <laughs> you know, I, I can say, you know, as someone who's been in this field a long time, and uh, like you guys, I have some terrific memories. One of the happiest days of my life was when I got that acceptance letter from mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. And I remember running through the house, screaming and picking <laughs> my brother up and hugging him and saying, I'm going to be a pharmacist. Like, oh. I knew I could do the work. Mm-hmm. I knew it would be hard. Uh, you know, if I had a piece of advice to share with uh, a student who's listening right now or somebody who's thinking about it, uh, you need to build that network and you need to rely on this people around you and surround yourself with good people, people who have the same values and people who can support you because you're going to need it. There's going to come a day, might not be today, might not be tomorrow, but at some point in that pharmacy school journey, there's going to come a day where you say, you know, I could, I could just check out. I could piece out of all this. I could cut my losses and get a degree in something else that would be way easier. (laughs) And I could be done a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. And because this seems so hard, it seems insurmountable. And that's where you got to like dig deep and find that resilience that you talked about, Michelle, where you push through and you get over that hump and then you're on the downward slope. And then you realize, okay, I can do things that are hard. You know, it's one of the lessons I teach my daughter a lot. You know, it's like, yeah, it's hard, but you can do things that are hard. And learning that you can do that, I think, makes us, you know, one of that's one of the qualities that pharmacists have. You know, that dedication to being a lifelong learner. So much more confidence, so much more ability. I mean, the things that I can say I can do now that I could not have said three, four years ago. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest part, like you said knowing that I can do the hard things, something I never saw myself doing. You were talking about leadership, Michelle, earlier, um, and just things that I never saw myself doing that now I do on the daily, things that I look forward to doing that I was scared about three years ago. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. The things, it's not just what's out of the textbook that they teach you in pharmacy school. It's so much more. Oh, I, I couldn't have said it better. You know, you guys have been terrific. Thank you so much for being my guests on Framework Focus. Uh, I want to thank Todd Yuri and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I want to thank Colby Bean, Braden Lape, Michelle Gonsalves for being fantastic guests. And thank you for your contributions. This is going to be on the internet forever. So you guys are now internet <laughs> famous. Um, I want to thank you guys at home, our listeners. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for spending your time with me today. My name is Dr. Mark Fulton. We'll see you next time on Framework Focus. Yeah.